speaker for this evening, Doug T. from San Diego. Hi, I'm Doug. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, it's been a long time since I spoke. It has been several years since I spoke at this meeting the last time, and I got a whole different story now. I have a two-part story now. Um, my first sobriety date uh, is October 22nd of 1993. Uh, my new sobriety date is October 5th of, oh God, 2010. Uh, I started, well, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, I started drinking and I started sniffing glue when I was like 10. Uh, growing up in Southern California in the 60s, you know, it was the fashionable thing to do. Uh, went on went on to uh, weed and beer and everything else that, that we did here in Southern, well, us idiots did here in Southern California growing up. Uh, it was my identity at the time. Um, I never really intended to amount to anything as a kid except for a doper. The first thing I wanted to be, I think, was a hell's angel until I actually met one, and then I found out I didn't want to be a hell's angel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was married the first time when I was 19 and had my first kid. Uh, divorced 18 years later with two kids. I put that woman through hell. Uh, I was married the second time shortly after that to my favorite barmaid because she gave me free drinks. Uh, the uh, third marriage was, wasn't long after that, after I walked out of the house that I had with the first wife with the clothes on my back and ran off to Washington and got married again there. Um, I should have bothered to get divorced, but... The, 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 I was a little bit selfish and a little bit selfish and self-centered. All that I really ever cared about was me and having fun and having a good time. That's what life was all about: was having fun and having a good time and pleasing Doug. Uh, I seen everything, my children, my wives everything as my property to do what I wished with. And and if they didn't please me or satisfied me, I would just leave and throw things away and, and go on to the next and not caring. Uh, who I was truly concerned with was myself. And I went on like that until I was 39 uh, and ended up homeless here in San Diego. Uh, I ended up in a shelter in San Diego, and I got myself working. I could one thing I could always do is I could always get a job and uh, apply myself f until I got a paycheck or two, and then uh, I would drink, you know, a, a beer, you know, just a beer. Everybody drinks beer, you know. Um, but my problem is, is I drink. One beer, I, I, well, here's an example. Um, 
go to the bar on payday at lunchtime to get a burger. Uh, to get a burger and uh, get a beer and wake up Tuesday, next Tuesday, hopefully in home in the same town. I couldn't figure out why, why, why couldn't I keep a job? You know, I'm a hard worker. You know. <laughs> and and it was that, that that that's how I lived my life. Like I say, until I was 39, I was homeless here in San Diego, and I had gotten a job with Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I slipped and hurt my back, and I got the first uh, disability check, and called living in a shelter in an Episcopal Community Services shelter up in Golden Hill, and uh, called the insurance company and told them that I didn't get the check. And and just stayed on the phone and hammered the lady and hammered the lady until she told me that the second check was in the mail, and I went and I cashed the first one, yeah, and then got the second one and cashed the second one, and I was getting ready to split out of the shelter because uh, I, I was taking Vicodin and whatnot, you know, and it was oh never mind all that, but <laughs> but. And getting ready to take off out of the shelter, and, and my roommate at the shelter came up and told me, hey, the guy at the liquor store is looking for you. It's where I cashed the checks. And I knew what happened. I knew what had happened. And uh, so I figured, well, okay, I, I can either run or I can stay, you know, uh, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? Well, I had a track record of being an alcoholic uh, through the legal system, through social service system, through anybody that knowed me, you know, that, that I was an alcoholic. And so, okay, I'm an alcoholic, and I did this thing. Somehow I messed up, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to go to detox. It was the story that I came up with right away. So I went over to the liquor store, and I, I, I test drove my story to a couple people before I actually went and did it. <laughs> And then went and told me I ended up in detox down at, at VOA Detox downtown. And uh, when I was there, my first wife and my children, which my oldest daughter was a teenager by that time, was uh, living here in town. And they heard that I was in detox, and I was just waiting. Well, they, here's one thing, that whenever I wasn't drinking or... But, Weed, speed, and alcohol was was the thing. Uh, and if I wasn't stoned, uh, my, my head was constant. I need a drink, I need a drink, I need a drink, I need a drink, I need a drink. And the only thing that would shut it up would be to have a drink. And that was it. And and so uh, through three days in detox down there, it was like, I need a drink, I need a drink, I need a drink. And I was waiting to get out and go get a drink. And my kids come and pick me up. And they're going to take me home. So I wasn't able to get away and go have a drink. And they sat on me until I went into 10-day, the old 10-day downtown, until I got into 10-day. And I get into 10-day, and I'm just waiting. Well, we all did our exit plans, you know. We're all talking about 
meeting up after the, you know, after graduation for the meeting that night because it was at a time when you went into 10-day and you went in and everyone stayed through the 10-day period and you all got out at at one time and the next bunch come in and we're all going to stay sober together and this and that and the other thing. And people were at, you know, do you need a ride? Do you need a ride? So I'm going back to my shelter. No, 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 my kids are coming. No one was coming to pick me up. But I'm telling you, no, my, my, my kids are coming to pick me up. My kids are coming to pick me up. But what my real exit plan was, I wrote a beauty boy that, that would, pay, would pass anybody. You know, I'm going to meetings, I'm getting a sponsor, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and, and my real exit plan was wait until everyone was gone and hit it to Beasley's Corner that was just right over there and get a drink and then back to the shelter and enough time to get sober and come to the meeting and meet everybody and we're all going to stay sober together. That was my actual plan. And the day before we get out, they're doing a group and they're talking about sponsorship. Sponsor. That's what I need is a sponsor because if I got a sponsor, then everyone will believe my bullshit. You know, that, that, that it was, it was a defense mechanism is what it was. You know, so, uh, so I asked the guy, well, how do I get a sponsor? And he said, well, call AA Central. So I call AA Central. You know, and, and from there was a pay phone in 10 day at that time. And I, I call AA Central and say, I, I, I need a sponsor. And they said, well, Go to a meeting. <laughs> this is not the answer I wanted, you know. Pounding the phone, calling back. And, no, yeah, I, you know, I need a sponsor. I need a sponsor. So the guy goes, "Well, look, it. I'll tell you what. We got a list of people's names here, and they do twelve-step calls, you know. And we'll have one of them call you. Well, what's the number? I give them the number, and they get this phone call." And and the guy on the other end here was well, you know, I I need a sponsor and I tell him what my situation is. And he goes, well, and he asked me what I'm going to do when I get out, and I got no idea why I said this, but I told him I'm planning on stopping at Beasley's. And he goes, he goes, well, that's great. Well, you know, when you get out, stop at Beasley's, have one for me. But if you can make it past Beasley's, I live at the trolley court, which was about three blocks up from Beasley's. You know, and and it was like okay, you know, and and so everyone's you know, do, do you want a ride? You know, and I'm I'm telling it, no, no, someone's coming to get me. Someone's coming to get me, and and I wait until everyone's gone, and so I take off. And Be- the Beasley's corner was you could almost you could see it from detox. If you stood at the big window that was in front of detox, look kitty corner across the trolley tracks, you could see Beasley's easy corner. And, and and so I'm thinking, but I kept thinking about this guy that I talked to. What the hell was his shit? So, so I went over there to see this guy, just out of curiosity, you know, to see what was up. I made it past Beasley's Corner. And I get over to him, and I talk to him. And I can remember the conversation. I, I can still see him. He, he was an, an old hobo that had been sober for like 30-something years. You know, and, and he was, I, I, I was hip slick and cool, you know, idiot guy, you know. <laughs> and, and here's this old wino. He was, he was a real rail riding wino that had been sober for 30 something years. And I sat there and talked to him and he didn't say anything to me without the big book open and showed me what it was saying 
you know, in the book. And he kind of got my attention. It was kind of like the first step, it was like, uh, you know, the first, he, he had an expression, you know, you didn't take the first, the first step took you. Whatever. I knew what the situation was at that time. I knew that if I drank, that that, that was, you know, I'm, I'm going to drink and, and God, the only thing that's going to stop me is some kind of debacle. Cops or, you know, it wouldn't be a car wreck because I didn't have a car. You know, it, it, nothing like that. It, 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 it was just, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and, and then he talked about, do I believe in a power greater than myself? Uh, you know, and it was, <laughs> well, here, well, well, herein, herein, herein lies the problem. Herein lies the problem. I believe there was a God, but, but I was deathly afraid of God. I had made many attempts in the past to, to get sober and stay, to change my life. To change my life situation, um, and I'd be, been through church, and I'd been through Bible studies, and I'd been through this and that and the other thing because that—that that was the alternatives, you know, religion or Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, for for an idiot street bum, Mesa Vista or a recovery program was out of the question. I'd I'd never had insurance in my life, you know, and I was never offered any kind of treatment center or anything like that. I didn't even know what a treatment center was. I knew what Alcoholics Anonymous was because so many of the people that I grew up with had been to Alcoholics Anonymous and got sober and stayed sober, so I really didn't like the idea of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> so, But I was afraid of God. I was afraid that if I made one more commitment to God and didn't keep my my promises that I was going to burn in hell forever. And he really kind of explained this to him, and he really kind of laughed, you know. It's like, where the hell do you think you're going to go now? (laughs) I mean, what a ridiculous argument, but but I don't know. no No one was able to say it like that. You know, that, that kind of like got through. Okay, and so it came down. What he told me was he gave me a little card that he had with the third step prayer on it. And he gave it to me and he said, go home and think about it. And if you can make a decision to turn your will and your life over to whatever kind of God you think there may be. He kind of brought it to, let, let's just say... God, let's forget about everything else. Let's forget it. You know, just God. You believe? Just take it home. If you can make a decision to turn your will and your life over to God, memorize that prayer and come back and see me. So I went home and I thought about it. And in my situation, uh, <laughs> there really wasn't any alternative. You know, <laughs> you know. There, there, there was no alternative, so I said, "Okay, I'm 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 making a decision. I'm turning my will and my life over to God." I memorized that prayer, and I went back and seen him the next day. And he took me over to Balboa Park, and uh, and and we got down on our knees. We did the third step prayer, and he said, "Do you feel anything?" And, 
No. Good. Okay, here. And he whips open the book, and, and he starts showing me how to start a four-step and, and sends me back to my shelter, you know, to start working on a four-step. I'm going to meet him that night down at the YWCA down on C for the Saturday Night Live meeting that was there. And so I, I go home and I start working on it and you know, take the bus downtown and I'm walking back up Broadway and I, I end up on the corner of uh, 12th and C and I get to the corner and I go, whoa, I just walked by the dive bars that I drank in downtown that I couldn't walk by those bars without looking inside. I'm a barroom drunk. I'm not a sit-at-home-and-hide-in-the-bush kind of drunk. I'm a barroom drunk, you know. And and that, that's the kind of drunk that I am. And, and the smell of a bar was like the smell of mother's milk to me. <laughs> seriously, seriously. <clears throat> I, could go, I could go anywhere and walk into a bar and be instantly at home. I belong there. It is not, not a club, <laughs> you know, a, a bar, <laughs> a bar. The, 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 the darker and the dingier and the stinkier, the better, the better. We sought out companionship and sordid places, you know, and, and that's what I did. And, and I stood on the corner, I noticed I walked by him, I didn't even notice. And then I noticed that whoa, I don't need a drink. My head wasn't going, you need a drink, you need a drink, you need a drink, you need a drink. My head was quiet. And and I go to the meeting, and this meeting is a loud, noisy meeting. Um, it's the Downtown Drunk Society. You know, there's there's metal chairs on on a like linoleum floor, and the guys from the Sally are there. You know, and people are talking, and chairs are moving in and out. And every meeting that I had ever been to, this is the message that I heard. And I would sit there. I would sit there. And go, my God, how long do it's only an hour? You know, I can do this, I can do that. Hey, I wonder what she's doing. After. <laughs> I have a lot to offer. You know, would you like to see my shelter? <laughs> yeah. So, so th- th- this was meeting for me. So I go into this meeting and I sit down <coughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there. And, and a guy gets up at the podium, and, and he starts to share. And I hear what he's saying. He says, I've been sober now for 15 years, and I'll tell you it's miserable. And you can take these steps if you want to take these steps, but I just don't drink. And I don't wake up in the bush anymore, and things are shitty, but it's better than waking up in the bush. So if you want this God thing, and you want these steps, you just go right ahead. Because the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> and goes and sit down. Okay. And another guy gets up a little bit later at the podium, and he says... Uh, you know, I've been I've been sober now for like like six months. You know, and uh, 
I've admitted to myself I'm totally powerless over alcohol. Uh, you know, I, I come to believe that only a power greater than myself can relieve my alcoholism. I made a decision for my will and my life over the care of God. And I've done this inventory, and, you know, I've, I've talked to my spouse, and, and he started going through explaining how the steps had worked for him. And he says, you know, it, he says, life is still rough, but I found a peace inside that, and I found that I can live life no matter what the situation or what the turmoil, you know, if, if I carry on this way. You know, thank you for letting me share. And I sat there and I went, well, okay, well, I can just not drink and be a miserable son of a bitch because I was, you know, a miserable son of a bitch not drinking, or I can work through these steps and life will still be rough, but, but it'll be better. You know, I can use this piece inside. I heard a message, and it was like, whoa. I heard a message. And so I see my sponsor after the meeting, and and this guy was one of these guys that he would come to me. I've met very few like him. He would come to meetings, and he would stay and see the newcomers introduce themselves and see who the newcomers were, and then he would split from the meeting. And he'd go talk to the drunks on the street downtown. You know, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? And if he found one that was done, then he would take them off the detox, you know, or whatnot. But if he didn't find somebody who was done, he would come within like, like 45 minutes or so. He'd beat it back to the meeting and he'd start talking to the people that introduced themselves as newcomers. This is, this is how this guy stayed sober, and this is how he explained Alcoholics Anonymous to me, that that it is not God help me, it's God, what can I do to help you? A trade. God would help me stay sober if I would help others. And and that was the deal. And, and okay, so I'm telling him about, oh, I walked by the bar, I didn't notice it, and I, my head's quiet. And I heard this message, and he said, I thought you said you didn't get anything out of that prayer. And I was like, whoa. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to go any further with with this, you know, uh, you know, God save me or, or, or anything, you know, I, I, careful. I just had to be real careful because I could scare myself out of any damn thing. And I just left it at God. That's it. That's it. No questioning God, how God works, what God is, where God comes from, what's God's name. Yeah, just, just good enough. Good enough. Okay. Something help me. Fair enough. So I went through this, uh, this guy told me that not to go into a recovery home because there's nobody in recovery homes except for people waiting for the next drink. You know, and I'm living in a shelter and I'm signed up at Pathfinders and Wayback and Freedom Ranch and Sobriety House. And every day I'm checking in at the shelters. I'd go down to 10 day and they'd let us use the phone to call the ranch because it was too far away. You know, back then. So they'd let us use the phone and call <coughs> and then t- take a lap. I meet, meet the guys down there at the porch at 10 day and we would go and check in at way back 
and Pathfinders and stand up at Pathfinders would feed us lunch, you know, and whatnot and go to the 130 meeting, you know, and, you know, and this kind of stuff. And, and that became a daily routine because I had nothing to do because KFC had fired my ass, you know, <laughs> and I had nothing to do. <clears throat> so, so Freedom Ranch was, was the, was the place to go. You know, that's what everyone go to Freedom Ranch. And me and this one buddy, we were, we were both like on the list. We get down to 10 day and we call him one morning after about a month and they tell him his bed's ready. I'm next. My bed, no, no, call tomorrow. Your bed will be ready tomorrow. Yes. So I go to way back to check in because we're taking a group with us now. We got a bunch of them as people would get out of 10 day. We take the first time homeless. We take them around and show them how to sign up you know, for the things. And so I get to the way back. Okay, and I go, okay, I'm checking in. They go, go get your stuff. Your bed's ready. And instantly, because I can form a lie in one second, in, in like that, you know, that story just materializes. Oh, oh, well, you know, I can't get my stuff. Uh, can I check in tomorrow? Because I know that if I just wait till tomorrow and I call the ranch, you're going to say, do it. All right. But it was like, no, I promised the guys down at 10 Day, you know, the, the counselors down there <coughs> that I talk to every day, that uh, the first bed that comes open is the, is the one that you go to, you know. So I go, okay, and I went and got my stuff, and I went into the Wayback Recovery Home. And from there, I just spent every day at the porch down at 10 Day. When they'd come, I'm working through my steps, and the guys would come out of break, smoke break, coming from the group, fucking out of their minds, you know. And, and you know, and, and I'd talk to them, and I'd tell them what I'm doing, because this is what this guy told me. Anyway, the guy, I'm talking about the guy. And, and he, told, he told me not to go into recovery, so I see him, I told him, okay, I'm going into way back. And he goes, well, I, if you can't take suggestions, I can't work with you. And... You do not reject me. <laughs> you know, what do you mean you can't work with me? Well, well, I didn't get angry. I understood exactly what he was saying and why he said it. You know, so thank you very much, you know, for the help that you gave me, blah, blah, blah. And so I got involved in this Novelco step study thing, a thing that you, the Novelco method of Alcoholics Anonymous, which was a step do group. And everyone started on, they started a group on like step one, then it would go through the steps. Well, I finagled myself in at the fourth step. You know, oh, you know my sponsor, you know, I was working with, got me started on my fourth step, but now he won't work with me. I need to blah, blah, blah. And I finagled myself into the group. And they're just starting on the fourth step. And they did this thing where to write a gratitude list. You know, the fourth step is might make you feel bad, blah, 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 blah. You know, so you want to write a list of all the good things about you. And everyone's writing out, you know, oh, I'm a good father and I'm a good employee and I'm a good this and I'm a good that and I'm sitting there thinking I'm going, oh, okay okay I'm a good husband <laughs> yeah I'm a good son to my parents no yeah I'm a good father no I'm a good employee no you know uh, no you know and so the, everyone's like like well nothing on there Wait, there must be something good about you and I'm like well I've got a 
a nice shirt, you know. <laughs> okay, that's something. So I write him a nice shirt. And I'm walking out of the place, and I look down at my shirt, and I see the row of seed burns. Anybody know what seed burns are? Yeah. I say, it's like, even that's a lie. Even even that is a lie. I don't have a nice shirt. It's It's ruined, you know. So I'm at that Saturday night meeting again. And I'm telling this this guy this story about, yeah, and they want us right down and So I put down, I got a nice shirt. And that's ruined, you know. And this voice comes from behind me, like, like well, I tell that story, and people would go, oh, come on, Doug, you know, there's so much good things about you. And they start telling me all the good things about me, you know. Yeah, you know. And this voice behind me goes, well, how can you see anything good about yourself when you've been an asshole your whole life? <laughs> Bing! And I turn around and it's, it's, an, it's another little old wino guy who'd been sober for another like 30-something years. And I turn around and I go, that's it. He understood. Here again, he understood. You know, I didn't have to explain nothing to him. He understood. And I said, will you be my sponsor? And so he took me through the fourth step and, and on to that. Twelve step. And he, he was exactly the very same thing. He had, he said exactly the very same thing. <laughs> that, that it is not God help me. It's God, what can I do to help you? What can I do? Trust God, clean house help others. And that's what it was all about. And so I stayed at the porch on 10 day, like every day. Every day I was down at that porch talking to the new guys, taking them to sign up for the thing. And a year goes by, I got a little bit over a year, and one of the guys that worked at 10 day at the time came out and said, it looks like you're not leaving. You know? <laughs> He goes, you want a job? And he hired me. And so I got the first job that I'd had sober, you know, was working at 10 day. And this was before you needed a license or anything. All you had to do was stay sober for two years. And I wasn't even sober for two years, you know, but they hired me. And so I'm working at 10 day and that's how it got started. And um, I, I worked for 10 day for a while. I did, oh, the guy, my sponsor at that time told me, uh, you know, you don't go to work in, in the treatment industry. You know, that's an industry. You don't go to work in the treatment industry. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. That's the treatment industry. You don't go to work in the treatment industry you 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 work for God, not for volunteers of America, you know, or anywhere like that. And I said, now remember I talked about selfishness and about how I'm a selfish, self-centered individual and who I really think about is me? I had this job. They offered me a job. Somebody appreciated the value of what I can do. Nobody appreciated the value of what I could do except for my buddies who really appreciated the value of my ability to be able to go in and steal booze from liquor stores, 
you know, that kind of thing, you know. So, so I'm taking the job, and I took the job. And it was at a time when, nah, I won't get into all that, to hell with it. How much longer do I have? Huh? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Here's what happened to that. I went, I stayed working in the treatment industry and for a long time. I ended up at Freedom Ranch. But I ended up getting married. And it was a tumultuous relationship that ended very badly. But here again, I am a selfish, self-seeking individual. I had everything that a man could want working in the job that I worked in. I had 50 guys every day that I was able to work 12 steps and nothing but the steps with in a treatment industry, something that you're not supposed to do. You know, and, and oh, God, this is impossible to explain, but it has, but uh, I have to. It's the reason why I'm here tonight. This is what happened. The relationship I held a prisoner by, by continually taking a look at what she did to piss me off and seeing what it affected in me and then taking her out of the picture and seeing where I was at fault at what was affected in me, I seen that I was selfish, self-seeking, self-dishonest. I could not be honest with myself about myself and fearful. And what I wanted more than anything in the world was to be with this woman. <clears throat> and this woman was, had, had, she had like two months more sober than me. And we were at 18 years. And she decided that she was going to drink. And it was 4th of July weekend. And, uh, she had been out of town and she came back and, um, told me we're, we're sitting at a friend's house in front of a bar and she told me that that she didn't want to be sober anymore that she wanted to drink and she poured herself a shot of tequila and so with <laughs> with this is this is so pathetic i mean th- this is so pathetic i thought of absolutely nothing for for Three days a week, I sat in front of a group of guys, and I talked about the disease concept of alcoholism, Dr. Silkworth's disease concept, that that alcoholism is an allergy in the body, and that the phenomenon of craving, out of nowhere, comes a desire to drink that's more important than absolutely any other aspect of your life after the first shot, the allergic reaction. Man takes a drink, drink takes a drink, drink takes a man, you know. And and I believed this. And all of it just went, vanished. And I took the bottle, I poured a shot, and took a shot. As carelessly as if the alcohol was ginger ale. And boom, 
Another one. I had no intention of pouring it. I had no intention of... What I had an intention was, of was not losing this woman. This woman was more important to me than, than my obligation to God. And I didn't quit the ranch. I got, stayed drunk that weekend, sobered up, went to work. Did groups. Three days a week I was doing groups, go home, and I'd drink for those days with her. The first weekend that, we, that, that it happened, I came back down and there was a six-pack of beer in the fridge, and I pull it out of the fridge to dump it because this is, you know, th- 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 this is no good. And I'm thinking, well, well i got to tell them i got to quit. And I, I pull the things and I go to dump them. <laughs> for from July 4th till October 3rd I would drink then go to the ranch and do groups and then drink and go to the ranch and do groups were any of you people there at the at the end were you yeah I know there's I run into them everywhere I run into them everywhere there's an old saying about a head full of AA and a belly full of booze. <laughs> so October 3rd, I get up, and she's sending me off to the liquor store for a bottle. And I'm going to the liquor store, and there's a couple of drunks there on the corner with their sleeping bags at the bus stop. And I'm walking by, and they're arguing about where they're going to get their next bottle. And it's like, that's it. I know that that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. I'm I'm almost there. I'm 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 there. I'm right there. So I go and I bought her the bottle, and I took it and gave it to her and said, uh, "I'm going to take off for a bit." And I went to Pathfinders down to Pathfinders to the one thirty meeting. And I walk up the steps, and on the porch at Pathfinders, there's a group of guys there who had been in my group. You know, and I walk up the steps, and they go, man, we were listening. I'd spoke here like like several months, about six months before that July 4th weekend. They are going, man, we were listening to your speakers, you know, thing last night. Awesome. And I go, oh, fuck, I'm here to introduce myself as a newcomer. <laughs> You know, and I, oh yeah, oh my fucking god! <laughs> and, I, and and I turn around, I turn around, and I walk down the steps, and I go, oh fuck, I can't do this. And so I called an old friend of mine, and I told him what was going on. A guy that was there when I started my sobriety, and told him what was happening. And he goes, hey, you're doing the right thing. Get in there. So I went in there, and I introduced myself as a newcomer. And God immediately took control. Uh, my boss called me before I even got home because I hadn't told him or nothing yet and told me that I was fired. Duly so. Uh, I walked, I, I went in and I told the missus that this was it. And uh, then about two days later, uh, the cops came to escort me out of the house because we had had a, a big fight. And I left the house with the clothes that I have on my back. And and I didn't. It didn't matter what was going to happen. It it did not matter. All that was going to happen was was I'm done again. 
I cannot do this. I cannot, I cannot drink. I don't know what my message is here tonight other than I'm an asshole. Here's, here's what I wanted to say. Was what I was telling you about doing the four step and seeing the selfishness, the self-seeking behavior, the self-dishonesty, and the fearfulness, I could see it, but I did nothing about it. I did absolutely nothing about it. And there's there's no one to blame but myself. It's been three years. I spent three years sober living to sober living, not working, sucking on the ego, t- taking disability and this kind of shit. And and I just got back to work. Uh, I'm not. I'll, I'll never work in the recovery industry again. I have no right to work in the recovery industry again. I don't belong in the recovery industry. Um, Hell, now I'm taking care of my first uh, father-in-law, who's 83 now, and uh, he needed uh, somebody to help him because he can't handle himself around the house anymore, and so that's what I do now. Um, I'm not helping other alcoholics. He, He never drank in his life. You know, but I'm still of use to another human being. The deal with God has not changed. It's not God help me stay sober. It's what can I do to help God. And I found there is another human being that I could help. And now if I can just, I, uh, I, if I can just keep my selfish, if I can keep my self dishonesty out of the way, then Perhaps I can stay sober. And the only thing I got to say is, God bless Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith and Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you.